I'm not a fancy person. Hey everybody, RC Alienation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 195. Scratch that. 196. I was gonna say, <laughs> what the hell, dude? It's what kind of day it is. It's a 195 day. All right. Get off wow. my back. Don't judge me. <laughs> oh, I will heavily. <laughs> so most of the gang's here. Jesse's playing hooky. Yep. What's he what's he doing tonight? Think he's fishing. Yeah, he is fishing. Oh, what's he fishing for? I don't know. A good he seems time, to be baby. Quite the uh, the outdoorsman. He is. He is. You know. He is. He's talking about coming over to Montana to go hunting. He's asking me if I know any landowners, which I do. Is he going to bring a helicopter? I think that's. Well, I know. I would imagine. I not. don't even know if he flies. He just hunts and fishes now. Now that he's out of school. And can afford to go hunting and fishing, right? I yeah, think he flies true. about as often as Compass puts out a new model. Oh, oh buzzing. Oh. <laughs> and he's not even here to defend himself. Of course, That's the best part. <laughs> there's probably not a lot of defending to be had. And life wasn't going to change after he got married, remember, back then? Yeah, I, I remember. Oh, I just, man, I just can't wait for all this to be over to actually have a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And all I ever hear is, dude, I just don't have any time. This is so nuts. And it's like, welcome to life, motherfucker. He <laughs> <laughs> and I were talking the other night, uh, Tuesday night. He and I got on and we're chatting a little bit before our meeting on Tuesday. And he was talking, you know, he's, of course, he's got the truck and now he's on the hunt for a slide in camper. For the truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, I think it'll just, it'll make, it'll make Kayla a little more receptive to going to these fun flies. <laughs> it's all about pleasing the wife. Well, and last time he was talking about how he's got to get one large enough for him, Kayla, and at least one kid. Oh my God. Oh, there we go. Oh yeah. Oh, they'll be, they'll be cranking them out here pretty quick. Probably already are. Yeah. Oh, lovely. I know. That's funny. And he just kind of nonchalantly brought that up, too. And a kid. Got a room for a kid. Dang, dude. At least the first one. I don't want to have to buy it a second time. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. All right. Yep. So Jesse's not here. He's doing his thing. Anybody uh, Anybody doing anything exciting this week? Anything fun? I think Nick better go because he, he, I think you got some exciting stuff to talk about, don't you, dude? Yeah, one could say that. I have found uh, my holy grail of all items, and that is a six-ended candle, which I am burning through at a rapid rate. Those are rare, dude. You better, better not burn that one out. 
It's it's feeling like it, but uh, holding strong. So I'm gonna kind of ride the wave while I can. Ice after you know after I got out of uh, shoulder surgery, it was just kind of like this wait three four days, and my shoulder started to feel really good really fast. And ever since then, I've just had this. I don't know, man. Kind of a rejuvenated energy. It's like Crackhead Nick is in (laughs) full go. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've just been kind of riding it and rolling with it. We are in the middle of a... Well, I was camping last weekend, and we are in the middle of a massive home remodel. I mean, massive, massive. Adding bedrooms and siding and windows and bath and rooms and it's just bath and rooms and it's crazy is that anything it like is a bathroom absolute, is that, yes is that what that but is? it's in a room so it's a bath in a room uh-huh. technically oh. it is a bath in a room it is a bath in a room yeah see there's me setting trends <laughs> i roll gotta keep up so you're just like adding a mirage of shit to your house yes yes a a, a big mirage yeah, so we we got that going, and then the kind of pieces to the puzzle all fell together for the trailer swap. And I know you guys heard about that last week. That was uh, that you know what's funny? You know when you're so spun out and really riding a groove, uh, just taking that ADD and just rocking it and rolling with it. I let's see, I came home. Oh, no, that's right. I wasn't camping. Excuse me. That was the the trailer swap day. I came home Friday after work. I went to bed at like 10. I got up at 2.30, drove six hours on the money to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, got the trailer, uh, probably half hour by the time I sat there and BS'd with the other Nick and then got back on the road. Drove, took me about seven hours to get home. I got stuck in some really bad traffic. Seven hours home. Took about an hour nap when I got home. And completely had Dan's trailer gutted that day. Sent me a picture and he said, it was completely empty. He says, it's your last chance, man. Take it, sell it, pocket the cash. I'm like, nah. Let's go. Let's go with it. Let's make it happen. Let's let's make it happen. So I had it gutted and even went, I don't even, did I go down to Lowe's that night already? I don't even remember. It was all such a blur, dude. I was just having so much fun. So I guess, let's see, progress wise, I'm quite along. Should we should we just go ahead and let out what the ultimate plan is? No. I don't think so. No? I think okay. um, I think it'll be a nice surprise for people when they yeah. first see it. I think you got to wait a, at least a little bit. Okay, okay. We'll wait a little bit. Well, it's, it's being turned into, obviously, a, a bigger hobby trailer for me, but then there's some extra little, you know, little RCHN awesomeness that's going to be happening with it. So I'll leave that a secret, but it's cranking, man. I'm actually going to, I think I'm actually, I'm going to take it out and do a little bit of flying this weekend. Nice. With it. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's going together quite well. Just trying to until you try to put the power on for the first time and realize that in your exhausted haze, you wired something incorrect. Yeah, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the first time. You know, I got a funny story about that. In this whole remodel thing, we were just like going crazy, going crazy. And when they started, it was a a frantic like we were going to do the bathroom downstairs and then we weren't and then we were. And then it got really hot. And he's like, okay, well, if we tear that bathroom out, you're probably going to have to move out into the trailer. I'm like, oh, no big deal. And he goes, oh, yeah, don't forget. You got to take the overhead wire off to the shop. So the ciders and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem. And then it just hit me. And I went, oh, dude, how am I going to take the power off to the shop when the trailer plugs into the shop? <coughs> and then there won't be power in the trailer. And then we won't have air conditioning because it was a friggin' thousand degrees. And anyone knows that a travel trailer just turns into a steamer. Generator. So, my generator won't run the air conditioning. Nope. Oh, damn. Nope. 110 volt air conditioning for a trailer, any sort of a trailer, travel trailer or regular. They usually take a, about 30 amp circuit. Holy crap. Do you want to so know, was like, before you go on, you want to know my little secret, how I had my generator run that AC? Yeah. Because it would. <clears throat> and mine's a 2400. What I would do is I would go to the panel, turn everything off, uh, turn just the AC on, right? Just the circuit to the AC. I would then turn the fans on on the AC and let it settle for about 30 seconds. And then I would turn the compressor on. No, gotcha. And then I would turn the all the other switches on, and then yeah, the startup on the yeah. on the pump is it's, just yeah, that's the thing that kills it. It's a huge kicker. So I just absolutely frantically spent all one day. I had ran the underground wire a hundred amp worth actually out to the shop, but I had never got it all hooked up. So I had to hook it up to the service on the house, install a panel out in the shop. Get it, get it all hooked up, right? So I'm at work. Now we're going to go camping. And now it's like, okay, all right. Everything's rushed. And this is another one of those go camping Friday after work type deals. Remember? Mm -hmm. Like the last time? Right. Yeah. How'd that go? So I get a call. Um, the refrigerator's not working in the camper. Oh, my God. Really? Uh, okay. I don't know. Is there power? What do you mean? Is there anything? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, my God. So I run home and find out that, yes, in my haste, <laughs> I did wire in the brand new 30-amp receptacle on the outside of the shop incorrectly. Ooh. Yeah. Couple popped breakers. No big deal. Yeah, but that's pretty easy to fix. Yeah, no, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. So let's see, I did get, uh, last weekend, I, I made a point, I said there's no way that I am going to go this long stretch without getting a couple flights in, so I did get a couple flights in on the Trioblin, uh, which was really nice, I, I've i got to just find some more time because it's, uh, I'm, I'm really, really missing it, especially with all this nice weather. It's been nice to stay busy, but on the flip side... I still just freaking love to fly. So, um, yeah, definitely been missing that. Let's see. Uh, in the middle of all of that, 
you guys know Rod Riker, right? Yep. Carter's dad? Yep. Yeah. And for those uh, who don't recognize that name, Carter's a young pilot. He came out to our fun fly. Uh, incredible. Flies for Hobby Wing. And so Rod got in contact with me. He saw that I was flying the 100 amp on on the 500 and he's like, "Hey, you know what? We've got this uh we've got an extra uh high voltage 100 amp ESC just laying around that Carter used to fly." He said, "But you know, he we got rid of that heli and he has no interest to we do not foresee him flying that size anytime soon. Do you want to try it on the 570?" It's like, "Dude, uh absolutely yeah no brainer i would i'd love to give it a shot so thanks to thanks to rod for sending that over it's all sitting there all nice and neat and i'm gonna swap out the hv80 i think that's yeah i've got an 80 on the 570 and then i'll i'll give it a whirl on the on the hobby wing gov just again to see how it goes and then i think this time i might actually swap this one over and try the hobby wing v-bar gov combo just to give that a shot, because I haven't done that yet. Uh, let's see what else. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of cool. Um, Rev Electrics, you know, I talked about it before. They sent over the GT500 charger for us to do a review on. Well, I decided, because I definitely need another project that I'm just going to go ahead and turn this into a little, uh, kind of a whole little project and not combine it with the review, but have the review be like a, a real, kind of a little bit more of a purposeful type deal for me personally. So I'm calling this one Project Charge and Go. What I did is I bought a, a Seahorse brand SE, I believe it's the SE 300 case. This thing is small, like... It won't even fit a transmitter in there small. You know our the uh the DPS twelve hundred power supplies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It fits the power supply in the bottom with about a quarter of an inch on either end. That's it. Wow. Oh wow. It's super tight. Yeah, like really small. And I so I kinda wanna see if I can get this uh Get the DPS 1200 and get the GT 500 all in there. Put a deck lid on it. Now, I did uh, I did the measuring and it was within like an eighth of an inch. And crossed my fingers, got it, and I have confirmed. I'm going a little bit little bit tricky here. I actually have the cover off of the power supply to give me a little bit of extra height. <laughs> you <laughs> to- you took the cover like the metal casing off. Yeah. Oh, jeez, dude. Well, it's because, like, the, the button sticks out on the top of the charger, right? And it was, uh, I'm like a couple millimeters, or now I'm a couple millimeters away. It's perfect, and it actually fits. So what I'm going to do is get that all set in there. I'm going to wire in. Now, I'm not going to be able to do the bigger size receptacle plug like we usually do. So I'm going to do the smaller. I ordered one of the smaller... uh you know, what's the standard power supply plug? I don't know the name for that connector, but, you know, it's the one that, like, everything plugs in with. Yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, recess mount one of those on the outside. If I can fit it, I think I'm going to put a 110-volt 
output receptacle on the other side with uh, go buy one of the Leviton ones that has like the two USB ports in it. I am going to run a power switch on this one so that I can leave it plugged in if I want and turn everything on and off. And this is going to be kind of like my uh, my take with me and charge when I'm not in a hurry to charge. You know, I've been talking about I like to fly at lunch at work and then after work be able to bust a couple flights out. Um, but that means I have to charge when I'm done flying at lunch. So we're going to see if we can get all of this in there working, see if it'll stay cool. I have fired up the GT500. I am, let's see. How do I say it without? I don't want to lead like too far into this, but I can tell you that uh, for anyone who has used uh, the Revelectrix chargers before, the menuing is the menus are nothing like the old one, and I mean nothing. I took it out of the box, did not read the instructions, <laughs> plugged in my charge leads to it. I turned it on, and within 30 seconds, having ever seen that charger, I was charging. Now, that is impressive. Dude, it is insane. So, what I, you're saying is they uh, they improved the usability a bit. That was, you know, that was my only real complaint with um with the dual power lab, you know, any of the power labs was that it has a bit of a you know, like it, it's got a bit of an learning curve. Old what? Learning curve. It's got a bit of a learning curve, but it's just kind of clunky and oldish feeling so to say um on the actual charger without uh. your presets all set up. I mean, once you get your presets presets all set up, it's it's just freaking awesome. I mean, it's still hands down my favorite charger. But this is, um, and I guess there's a, a computer software for it. I haven't gotten there yet with it. But, dude, I mean, I was charging and making presets in the charger so easily. It was creepy. And all with a dial... And you push the dial for a button. <laughs> like it's, it almost kind of reminds me of like an, just Apple with its simplicity, if that makes sense. Yeah. Very cool, dude. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm just, man, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to get the trailer to a point where I can take a break on it so that I can get back to this and, and really kind of focus on it. And uh, the cool part is I am going to be, uh, just because of the models that I fly, I am going to be working the piss out of this thing. <laughs> We're going to have it pretty much maxed on every charge, which is okay. That's good because I want to see, you know, how hot it gets, um, efficiency-wise how it does. My goal is to be able to take, you know, I really foresee this charger going with the, with the person that's, you know, maybe flying up to like a 550 type model where you're throwing a 6S 5000. So I'm going to take them where they're way down charged and, and go all the way up, maybe modify some settings and actually be able to give everyone, okay, here's the exact amount of time it takes me to charge a pack from this to this. Because I think 
with a slightly lower power rating, that's going to be the ultimate question that people want to know. It's got a great user interface. How fast can I charge it? So yeah, fun project. I'm, I'm, uh, I just, I love their stuff and it's a, it's a great opportunity. So thanks again to Rev Electrics for that. And man, I think that's it. I know it's a lot. Actually, I was kind of expecting more than that. Well, I'm a, I'm a little surprised, dude. I mean, you usually, uh, talk a lot. Well, I, (laughs) the trailer is just like so freaking overwhelming that it's hard to, you know, I, yeah, it's it's really hard to explain. I'll be honest, I'm not doing a lot different. I put a lot of thought into the way I laid out um, the smaller trailer, and I had very, very little that I regretted about it. So I'm kind of mirroring that setup um, in there as far as, like, what physical products to use. You know, like I, I got one of those uh, big, tall, five-foot-tall white melamine cabinets for the front of the trailer. I'm doing all the same bench material. I bought, what, five of those Rubbermaid pull-out drawer things. They're, you know, would I love to do, like, all cabinets in there? Well, yeah, absolutely. But I've already spent enough lately, <laughs> and I'm trying to keep it, you know, not add a bunch of extra weight. I'm not a fancy person, so if it works and it looks okay, then it's it's good to me. So layout-wise, it's going to be kind of really similar. Just you can freaking play football in there. I mean, it's huge. It is massive. I, I learned that Dan had tremendous amounts of shit in there (laughs) i was gonna say so how when you got it from him how clean was it like what was left you know he did a a very very impressive job of getting it uh of getting it all cleaned out they're really i think like of stuff to keep i probably put together what two I mean, like two boxes, you know, like the little Rubbermaid totes. Yep. Probably two of those. That was it to keep coming out of the old trailer. And I mean, you know, all the shelves were still up and the bench and and that sort of a thing. But he had really gone through and put a lot of time and taken out, you know, all of the junk. I was disappointed because he left me the lubriderm, but did not leave me the elf glove. <laughs> I did leave you a wool glove, though. Yeah, well, w- wool chafes. Just that elf glove's a <laughs> roll with me on that one. <laughs> yeah, I have to take my word for it. And what do you mean, shit? That's my stuff, man. <laughs> That's your yeah, dude. Come on. We've seen your the inside of your trailer. How, how okay. can you tell the difference? I found props, planker wheels. I even found a freaking Futaba gyro that, I mean, Piezo. It, cl- it closely resembled like the first Apple computer. It's, it's huge. <laughs> it's there's like three. Isn't there like three different pieces to that gyro? Like you've got the gyro, well, then you have yeah. like the 
it's control box yeah. and then there was some other piece uh I don't I don't know I don't remember specifically but that's the has that mechanical piezo in there. So it actually it's spins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was cool. No, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I'm I'm OCD, so for me it's, you know, it's like, yeah. It's a little shocking, but in comparison to what we have seen in the past at Fun Flies, this was immaculate. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that's uh, not saying much. Yeah, I think you guys was are anything just gonna... stuck down with Shugu? <laughs> no, but it's funny because <laughs> I think Dan has had the same problem that you have had, Justin. Because so my kids in there helping me, right? And he's just been a he's just been a trooper in there helping me, you know, throw stuff away and pack everything up and all this. And he walks up to the bench and he's like, ooh, money. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you, you could have it. <laughs> and then I turn around and I'm hauling stuff and I come back around the corner and he's like, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get this quarter off the bench. <laughs> you glued a quarter down, Dan. I don't know. I know yeah, that I've, it was glued, a, I've, glued, I've had tools stuck to the bench before. Yes, there was a lot of stuff on the bench and in the microwave-ish area that were permanent to the wood that they were on, <laughs> uh, but we had fun. My my poor, I actually got, uh, my wife works for the post office, and <laughs> I think I have officially pissed off my normal postman, <laughs> because... Amazon has been coming daily and frequently with packages. And I ordered everything online. I mean, because it was just easier to to work on it until 1.30 in the morning, sit down for another half hour, place another order for more stuff that I thought of, and just wait. I guess he's kind of starting to get pissed. but <laughs> I'll throw a coffee card in there. That's all right. <laughs> well, that's it, man. We say it all the time, we are the 99%. I have Alan with me to tell me about his experiences with the Soko Heli tool. Well, Dan, I am the 99%, but the Soko Heli tool has redefined the way that I set up helicopters. I've owned the Soko Heli tool for almost six months now, and I've used it on every helicopter that I have. I love it because you can pair it with the app. You can set your swash blade up level every time without using a swash leveling tool. The blades are already tracked before you make your first flight. All you're concentrating on is fly barless tuning because you've done it right and it is exceptionally easy with the Soko Heli tool. Thanks, Alan. Well, there you have it, folks. Straight from the horse's mouth, the heart and soul of the hobby. So if you're looking to find out more about the Soko Heli tool, you can go to www.soko-heli-tools.com. What about you, Justin? What have you been up to? I, this week has been really horrible for pretty much everything. Um, too much work. I am the last couple of weeks I've been at probably 60 plus hours a week, uh, which is just freaking ridiculous. And it's typical, right? Because, you know, we're recording right now on the 24th and Urcha is a week and a half away. Like I fly out a week from this coming Tuesday 
and I do not feel ready at all. So this week, I have not had an opportunity to fly yet. Didn't get out last weekend past my Friday day off. Uh, just had other stuff going on. It did not just didn't work out the way I was planning this entire week. Uh, as you guys remember, I was waiting on a on one part, <laughs> one freaking part for the Diablo speed. It came in uh, early in the week and I was able to get that finished up, got it uh, built back uh, to normal I cleaned up the wiring on it, which was a really good exercise because you know how you, you do a wiring job and you put a lot of effort into it the first time around when you build a heli. And then as you're flying it over the, the number of flights you go through, you look at the wiring ever so often and you start getting ideas. Well, I could do it this way. I could do it that way. And then maybe you crash it or you have an issue or you do a rebuild and you get to go back and work that differently. That is a really good feeling because you, my wiring job now is like 10 times cleaner than it was originally. Uh, so that's very satisfying. Uh, it doesn't I mean, it didn't look like a rat's nest before, but it was the first time I had wired the Diablo and you've seen it. It's there's not a lot of room uh, to get stuff uh, to and from the ESC and the fly barless system. So I spent a lot of uh, extra time doing that, getting it all cleaned up, added two temperature sensors, one to the motor mount and one to sort of the mid to rear portion of the main fuselage so that I can get sort of ambient temperatures to get a feel for uh, what the batteries are sitting in the entire time. Just some data, nothing crazy. I, ah, I hardwired the cooling fan of the cosmic into the BEC and the buffer pack. So this is a little, you know, a little five volt fan and you buy it with the cosmic cool and it's supposed to plug into one of the three accessory ports mm -hmm. and get powered at five volts. Well, I said, screw this crap. I need more cooling. I'm hardwiring it into the two S lipo buffer pack and the eight <laughs> volt BEC. And now, man, it moves some air. <laughs> it's like the, you know, I think the the Scorpion fans are like that. I think they're actually supposed to be like a five volt fan. They don't say that, mm -hmm. but boy, let me tell you, that little fan when you plug that into a two S or eight volt uh, BEC, oh, they are just like vacuum cleaners. Oh yeah, dude. I was sitting at the bench last night just doing some cleanup on wiring and I had powered it up to check a couple of settings on the fly barless system and I'm sitting right in front of the cosmic and it's like blowing air in my face. <laughs> it's See, freaking I, great. That's why I put a switch on mine. I just had to and you know with the all of those switches that you get when you buy a new transmitter those crappy little just yep. super lightweight switches. Those are absolutely perfect. I was ecstatic to finally find a use for those. And they mounted really well on the goblins. And then when I am sitting there tweaking or trying settings, I don't have to listen to the. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's and that's a good point. Um, I I already have one of those receiver switches for the Diablo, um, which switches the buffer pack in and out of the circuit, oh. and that's so because I basically uh, double sided taped the buffer pack to the underside of the cosmic. So it's it's not like a receiver battery where you can pull it out if you want. So what I have with the switch is I hardwire everything into the circuit and then I run the switch uh, on one side of the power leads for the battery. Yep. yep. And when I switch it off, I can um, I can actually charge it through that side of the switch if I really wanted to. I don't need to because it always charges when the BEC is on. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. I can power the thing up without having to plug the whole flight pack in. So that, you know, that works out pretty well instead of an OptiGuard because the OptiGuard, you can't do it that way. It only comes on once it gets voltage from the BEC. Anyway, I finally made my decision on how to deal with the fuselage and I decided to actually cut the damaged portion rather than epoxy patch it. And I think it actually turned out really clean. I I sort of the way that the damage was, it was more towards the bottom than the top. So I cut it at an angle Mm -hmm. and it flows really nice with the shape of the fuselage. Uh, So pretty pleased with that. But it is now finished, ready to be remaidened. Plan on doing that this weekend if the rain doesn't get me, although it's saying 60 to 80 percent chance of rain all the way through to Monday. Maybe a patch of clear skies tomorrow afternoon, so I'll be ready for it. Uh, and, you know, at this point, guys, literally a week away from having to pull the thing apart and pack it and go to Urcha, I I don't know, like, my strategy has changed a little bit. Weeks before it was bust ass and get as much practice in as possible. Now... It's I kind of feel like it's get the thing off the ground, make sure it stays in one piece, get it retuned with the big X Nova speed motor in there, because that's that's the other new thing that happened from the rebuild. Yeah, so it will be remaidened with the new motor. And I got to go and do get some data, figure out how hard it's pulling. Can I I'm, I'm looking at maybe can I add an extra degree or two of pitch? to 16 or 17 because the motor should pull harder. Uh, But I'm not sure how, what kind of quantity of flights I want to get in. Uh, Cause I feel like at this point it sort of is going to be what it's going to be. And maybe I'm being ignorant about that. I mean, what do you guys think? Practice, Uh, practice, practice, or just make sure it works. You're either ready, you're ready to play or not at this point. Yeah. I don't think it's a practice thing. But I would be very leery about not giving that motor the potential respect if you're going to go up. I mean, you don't know the characteristics of that motor as far as, you know, uh, current draw on it. And, uh, you know, you might find that, oh, my God, it's it's way more efficient. I can I can go up, let's say, I can go up another degree, right? And temperature isn't an issue and I'm still I'm still within the you know within the the confines of the 
of the cosmic. That's no problem. But now all of a sudden, oh, my God, I've got this weird tuning issue that I have to deal with. You know, now I'm dog-legging, and you got to retune the tail. So I feel like I would... I would not focus quite as much on practice, but more as figure out how far you're going to push it, push it that far for at least six, seven solid passes and then shelf it. Yeah. And no, that's exactly what I'm thinking is I got to get it tuned. The, The target is to get it feeling the way it was feeling before, right? With whatever the increase in performance uh, is that I might get out of that motor pitch or head speed or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, honestly, then the Diablo speed. Yeah, the Diablo speed probably gets shelved, honestly. And I move to the TDR. Yeah. And I don't have as big of a problem flying the TDR for practice. Um, I don't have my three spare gears yet from Germany, which is making me nervous. Mm. And I don't have new batteries yet. Did you see? Uh, I'm going to interrupt. I know this isn't in the news, but it's not in the news. Did you see that it looks like George is going to be doing gears? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah. I think that he's got a pilot or two that will be competing in the speed cup with a TDR one and a fuselage. And it will be using those big metal gears that he had custom, which means, I mean the, the TDV, right? Yep. That's a fast ass heli. That's the one that has the current unofficial world record at 326 kilometers an hour. So now we get some gears in there. I mean, it, it's just that thing is it's like way more of an official player. And it that puts, thing, I think it had the gears in it with with George's new uh, 5035 550 speed motor mm-hmm. that that you saw on that Facebook picture with the metal gears. That was like the first debut of that system in a TDV that hit 326. Gotcha. Because it, it's, dude, I mean, but it, him producing gears, what's so cool about that to me is that now all the existing TDR owners, I mean, it was like, okay, yeah, that, that setup is really is really fast, but there was only three or four people that had the, you know, the set of gears that could do it in the world. Now, yep. if he starts producing it, all of the TDR owners could eventually, if they wanted to, go to the TDV Fuse and become extremely competitive because it's just it's so ridiculously slippery in the air. Oh, it is. And and here's the deal, right? Martin, the designer of the TDV, uh, I talked to him a couple of months ago about if he had any more available. He's not making the TDV one, but he's been working a TDV two which is an upgrade to or an up, uh, an evolution of the design for the TDR1. And so if I can get the metal gears and I put my name on that list too for the TDV2. Hmm. So yeah, dude, it's on. I mean, th- this year it's on with my plastic geared TDR speed canopy in pro modified class. But yeah. 
and <laughs> boy, so I competed last year with six people in unlimited. We have 13 people registered. Nice. Sounds like it's growing. Dude, it's, it's growing, dude. It's just like skyrocketing. It is going crazy. We've got we've got 13 people in unlimited, 12 people in sportsmen. We've got like seven or eight in the mini A and B. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's going to be a huge event. I, you know what I love it. It really puts a smile on my face. I just, I love to see people getting into this because here, you know, we, we come off of an episode where it's like, Oh, is the hobby slowing down and multi rotors is picking up. And then you, you know, you jump back over to our world and and speed is just skyrocketing. I mean, new people are getting into it all the time. The the speeds are constantly being pushed and new records being broken. I think it's really exciting. Even, you know, personally, it's it's at the top end if not slightly out of my personal budget. Um it for for the hobby as a whole, I I think it's just great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm getting super excited about it i'm just gonna go and do my best and hey we'll see what happens i don't think i will be anywhere close to the top but uh as long as i do better than i did last year and i'm happy with it personally then i'll be good to go cool man yeah i think that is pretty much all i have to say about that Hmm. dan so uh Either of you guys burn any nitro this week? No. Can't ah. say that I did. Ah. I did. Yes. Oh, yeah. Burning the nitro. How did it feel? I, it was good. It was good to get, you know, of course, I hadn't flown that, that damn thing forever. And um, I just said, you know what? This is crazy. So the heli fits in the backseat of my truck great. I've got a lockable huge plastic box that fits in my truck where I can keep nitro stuff in the box it's locked sealed mm. all that good mm-hmm. stuff and uh I've just been I went down to the field a couple nights after work during the golden hour right got some flying in it was fantastic it was very nice uh, a couple nights this week uh, I think uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday. Wednesday I flew at work as well. So a couple other exciting things. I got um I've changed all the bullet connectors out on my electric Kellys. Oh, nice. What'd you go to? I was just I I was really struggling soldering the EC5s. Those big ass, you know, ESCs. Uh I went I had a bunch of castle bullets. I think they're six point five. Maybe, maybe only six. You know what I'm talking about, the green ones? No, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had my little station wagon, which had a bunch of, had like three toolboxes in the back seat, and I hadn't looked at them in a long time, and I was going through all that stuff. I found a shit ton of those. I don't even remember buying them. I knew, I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I had, uh, I remember I bought them when Ed was working on the Rush, freaking 10 years ago. I don't know, you know, a while ago, a long time ago. Wow. It was like... This is awesome. I had like four packs of each, male and female. So 12, 12 sets. 
And um, so that means that I finally got the uh, Forza soldered up. The mystical BEC issue is solved. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is ready and you to verify it, right? Like you powered it and nothing let out the smoke. No smoke. Everything awesome. worked. Well done. The uh, E700. That's flying this weekend, too. Holy cow. Dude, and what hey, got into you? Huh. What voltage are you charging at? Well, I'm still charging at 12, but that's my own damn fault. Yes. <laughs> I got some, uh, finally, finally got my uh, power supplies back from Nick. Hand delivered. Hand delivered. I, I drove six hours to deliver <laughs> and, you and those what, powers. And uh, what voltages are you running now? I'm, I haven't put them into my case yet. Nick, so. did you uh I did, did not, you actually get it? I did not do the fixed resistor in his. I just left the the stock one in there and uh, there was a a reason for my madness. He had mentioned that he possibly might do 3. And the 3 the i charger 306B will work up to 36 volts, but it is like 36.0 max and it will throw a warning so i didn't want to go fixed resistor because then he would be committed you know to like 14 volt supplies right, or whatever right. so i just went ahead and adjusted them as high as i could get them uh in there while leaving the factory potentiometer in there Okay. So they're sitting at like, I want to say right at about 13 volts each. Yeah, so 13, a little bit over. Personally, maybe. I would only run two. I mean, I would run it at 24 volts myself. That's what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Keeps it light. And then, um, yeah, they went from Nick to Nick to Dan. <laughs> the <laughs> other Nick. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, the other Nick's coming to Snohomish with me. Oh, Who nice. is the other Nick? Do I know this Nick? Nick is a co-worker at work. So, yeah. So cool I don't know him. No. Yeah, he's a young kid. He's kind of interested in, uh, he's been really wanting to learn how to fly the multi-rotors, but I think I got him bit on the concept of flying helicopters. Oh, so we're go. looking at, uh, we're looking at a 500 for him. I'm going to buddy box him on the 500. Oh, there you go. And then, um, so he's really interested in coming and hanging out with us. Uh, don't know. He, he's thinking about it. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it, but he'll ride over with me if he does. Um, and come hang out, watch some helis fly, drink some uh, adult beverages with us, watch the show, that kind of stuff. Ah, yes. He's kind of looking forward to it. So let's see. We got the Nitro in the air this week. Tomorrow, the Forza and the E700 will go up for at least a flight. But I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, digging, I'm digging the Nitro. The only problem is I forgot I only have what's in my, my big two-and-a-half-gallon <laughs> uh, jug because what little f- fuel I had left stayed in my trailer. Ah. Which wasn't much. I think there's only a case in there. There was exactly one case. Yeah. Do you I have a couple need more, yeah, it's dude, because I've got like two cases, two and a half, three cases. Yeah, I'll be buying some more here. 
shortly. I have some more, but you can't have it. <laughs> Why? You're not going to use it ever. You don't think? No, dude. You don't. Uh, if SAD <laughs> comes <laughs> out <laughs> with <laughs> a nitro, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> And uh, did did you Nick? Did you see those two little micros that I left in the trailer? Yeah, that that was awesome. Um, we played catch with them. You did. They're still good. Well, the four fifty's not. But the <laughs> no, is kidding. that a three eighty or a one eighty? I can't remember. What? Definitely not a three eighty. Not a. Uh, that's a one eighty. Don't they make another? Doesn't Blade make another one that's three sixty? Three sixty. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the one eighty. Yeah. It fly. Yeah, it flies. I don't have a spectrum receiver or transmitter. Uh, I think we got one of those around here. Yeah, I, there should have been some batteries and shit in there as well. I, I found some batteries on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Does that behind, the, you? behind the toolbox. Yeah, which uh, one? Lipos. Yeah. Oh, there was a couple oh, big ass batteries damn. in there as well. Oh, dude, there were some. Uh, there was like a fifty-three hundred. Yeah, they they kind of look like. Kong sausages. They looked old. Oh, yeah, dude. Dieter gave me that 5300 pack three years ago. Oh, okay. Well, any so, battery coming from Dieter is scary. Target practice. Anyway. No no target practice on the batteries? Well, they're... Oh, yeah. No, I will. Dude, that's how I get rid of them. Heck, yeah. And the 3000 pack that was left in there, uh, that was from... 2009, when I bought my 500. Wow. Yeah. So. And you need those in there? I don't need them in there, but they were in there. What else am I going to do with them? (laughs) Throw them in my neighbor's yard? Dispose of them? As to not clutter up your workspace? Oh, shut up. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously, you got to admit, dude, that trailer was pretty cleaned out when you got it. It was very cleaned out. It it was. It, 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 I don't think it's ever seen that in a long time. Once a year, yeah, every year, every beginning of every season, I clean it. Yeah, maybe it was just a little bit more of a wow factor because, like, there, it's just so much of the stuff was out of it anyway. You know, it, I'm just so used to seeing it, like with your recliner in there, and and some couple cases of cool power, and some other stuff. So it, it got real small real fast when you you, you kind of store stuff low and wide. <laughs> that's because I can't stand up straight. Uh, that's touche. I uh, I couldn't give that recliner away, and it was in great shape. I I couldn't know. I put it on uh, Craigslist, and no, I for free. No one, no one wanted it. Finally ended up giving it to Goodwill. Huh. <laughs> so, that's about it, boys. I don't know, man. I think uh, I got uh, three of the 700s flying. Well, one I know is flying. The other two, we'll find out tomorrow if they're flying. <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, we're gonna we're gonna check out a a vortex tomorrow as well. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. That's I uh, dude. What, I think that's what really is it cool. on. It's on the E700. Okay. Yep. So you got it all set up. You think you got the defaults to the point where it's gonna, it's not going to fall out of the sky? 
Uh, I don't think any any fly barless system is going to fall out of the sky these days. Yeah. How did you, have you done the setup on it? I haven't done the setup yet. No? Okay. No, I'm going to do it at the field tomorrow. If I feel like it. You're a field builder. I am. I like doing stuff at the field. But I, I actually, I'm I, my heart's not set on flying either of the electrics, mainly because my charging station, my charger, my box, I haven't put those. Nick never gave them to me as part of the problem. They're in his oh. truck. I can't, And he forgot to put them in my, or bring them into the shop or put them in my car. Ah, gotcha. So they're actually in Coeur d'Alene this weekend. <laughs> so along with the servos. But now we're going to go and hang out and uh, try to burn up the rest of maybe a little over a gallon of fuel I have tomorrow. And then it's going to have to be electric after that because I am certainly not going to buy any fuel from my local hobby shop at $49 a gallon. 49 Can you believe that bullshit? My local hobby shop sells it for like 28 Yeah. I. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, back when I started flying, they were charging $44 a gallon. And that was in 2008, 2009. Forget it. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I actually bought a case at that price too. That's $7 a flight for a 700 nitro. (laughs) Maybe it's time to do a conversion to Petro, as they say on the other side of the world. Petro, eh? Shopping online for heli parts. Two most important considerations we look for are selection and customer service. LowerHeli.com not only has the selection you need to get your helis back in the air, Ken also prides himself on having the best customer service in the business. I recently made a purchase with Ken at LowerHeli.com, was anxiously awaiting the arrival of some new heli tools. When it didn't show up, I gave Ken a call without hesitation. He was willing to send me another package, even though the tracking confirmed delivery. I told Ken to hold off for a day or two, and sure enough, the post office found my package and got it to me. This just goes to show LowerHeli.com is willing to go the extra mile for you. If you want great selection and excellent customer service, www.LowerHeli.com. That's where you'll find it. Huh, let's see. New bullet connectors, new fly barless controller. Didn't really sell anything this week. Did get some flying in. Got a little sim time in. I've been sticking pretty regular to that, to be honest really? with you. Really? It's not wow. like every Good day, but you, it's like man. it's like twice a week. What are you working on? I'm still working on the pyro stuff. Ah, you're pyro flipping? Yeah, I'm burning the helicopter as it spins in circles. No, I'm still working on it. I just, uh, I'm just struggling to wrap my brain around it. I'm too old, I think. You're so doing the half pyros, right? Yeah. Yeah. Left rudder, right rudder? Left. Just keep working it, man. 700 feet. I mean, I was doing them before. I, I was. I know. I've seen you do them before. I just don't know why I'm struggling. I think it's because of just lack of stick time, to be honest with you. Because let's think about this. I have only flown, I got, let's see, I probably got four four or five flights in probably in the last month. Right? That's sad. 
You know what we should do? That's pretty rough. That is rough. Uh, since I've got uh, 14SG here, yeah, we should get it all set up on the Buddy Box. Oh, yeah. At Snohomish, and then just make you go out and do pyro flips well, you're, in real life. you're going to have an extra bedroom here pretty soon, aren't you? I should come visit. You should. Absolutely, man. I think that'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, road trip. <laughs> Love that. Heck yeah. You but, can kind of do that when you got a trailer. I know, right? I'm so looking forward to that. I kind of... I kind of threw a uh, wrench into Nick's work. I, I'm not going to do it, but he was like, oh, I knew you were going to do this, you ass. <laughs> I said the other day, I'm going to, I'm thinking about coming over a little bit early to pick the trailer up because I was kind of thinking that uh, I, I've no, God, I, I've noticed I've got heli parts stro- from here to Missoula strewn about. <laughs> so and that's I mean, I've not got, an exaggeration. I've got shit at the shop in Missoula. I I just I found three toolboxes in my car that I hadn't driven since last uh, when I hit that deer, I don't know November, December, and it, I had no idea those parts were in there. I mean I found like three Scorpion backup guards, right? Um, still in the box, a plethora of seven hundred nitro parts, a mirage, two. SR, uh, YS, or 3DS motors. What? <laughs> um, you have two 3DSs? Yeah. Both of them disassembled, but all rebuild parts with them. So, Are you going to hold on to those? Of course I'm going to hold on to those. Oh. Dude, you're t- wait a minute. Dude, that thing Are you like going to hold on to those? You're talking about the guy who has a T-Rex 450SE. Dude, that's uh, like the original. Uh, with the like OG, the blue man. anodized and the stupid no. looking bubble canopy. No, no. Before that. Before that. The all wow. plastic. This one. was the ARF. Right? Came in a oh, It came in a box like those like those cheap fly. Radio Shack RC cars do, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like the half box with the cellophane. Yeah, the cellophane cover, or the mylar, whatever the hell that is, yeah. Lexan. Uh, that was given to me. And there's a Raptor 30 in there, right? Nixon was love, Nixon super love with the Raptor 30. Tempted on taking that one out. Go ahead, go ahead. I was, and just getting it all running again, and and putting that 401. I found a 401 for electric. No, that's if you see. That's the thing. Like with a with a Raptor thirty, if you can make it, if you can make it dance, you are like an artiste, dude. The thing flies like a brick. I, I remember when I was flying it, <laughs> just doing like a roll. It's like just wants to fall out of the sky, and you're like, oh, 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 and it like as you're coming back around, you're like, have we got enough? Does it got enough? <laughs> Made it. Can't you just drop? Don't wait a minute. Don't you have an OS fifty laying around? I've got. He's got to have an OS. I do. I've 50. got two of them. Well, I, I've you got, don't. Ha- I've got one in that vibe, and then two in, brand new in a box. Well, dude, why don't we put an OS fifty in the Raptor thirty? Does that fit, dude? Yes. You can make it fit. <laughs> I can we'll make do little, little amounts. 
We'll do a little digging. We'll put the 50 in the 30. And then like. And the 30 in the 50. No, 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 no. And okay. then see if we can't. Uh, someone has had to have converted to fly barless. Oh, I don't know why. It seems like it'd be easy to convert it to fly barless. Right? Why wouldn't it be? Right. Just take some shit off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you got the general idea. Uh, you Make know what? Sure Here's there's the some problem. Here- and shit up there. <laughs> Here's the problem with that one servo setup, right? Is you, It's really hard to get the throws that a fly barless controller needs <laughs> for the control loop. Mr. Dremel says, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, there's physical limitations. Those things yeah, are designed it's not for like so physically limiting that a Dremel grinder can't dude hold right. it up. Those things are designed for like like <laughs> Mr. Eight at the physical top limiting and four at the bottom. Me, I mean, Mr. Physical freeing. Oh, you guys! I swear to God, <laughs> that's what we do. We mess with stuff. Uh, I didn't. I didn't leave the Ergo thirty in there for you to laugh. What at. about the vibe? I found the canopy for the for the Ergo. Did you? Was that in there? Yeah. Huh. That, uh, that Definitely too don't throw that away. Behind the toolbox. Don't throw that away. Keep that for sure. Yeah, I it looked yeah, like it. Yeah, cuz you'll you'll get that flying this winter. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I don't like you anymore, Justin. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I found a bunch of canopies. You got some T-Rex canopies oh, in there yeah. and I found the Vibe canopy. Yeah, you yeah. should get that Vibe going. You know, I don't think it'd be that hard, to be honest with you. That's got an outrage head on it. It's fly barless. I so want to see you roll up to freaking Snow Homish. Get all those flying? Get No, no. Unpack your stuff. Put it on some, like, busted-ass, shitty, stained, half-broken card tables. Right? And then put a garage sale sign out. Justin. And you can sit there and peddle your wares. I don't sell shit i mean reluctantly i will but especially he really doesn't ergo 30 25 cents or best offer no you must not know dude that's a, <laughs> that's you a work not of know. art you must not know do you i need to look this know. thing up dan what's that i want to look it up now dude it's a great heli it's like it's a jr it's like awesome i feel like dan just needs to invest this winter when you're sitting there, you know, put down the, put down the WoW. I don't play WoW, you bastard. I hate that goddamn game. Wow. Ergo 30. Okay, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. <laughs> or put down whatever. It looks King, uh, old school. Kings and knights and Kings dungeons and, knights and, and. Dungeons and dragons. Dungeons and yeah. whatever it is that you're playing. <laughs> and uh-huh. get, you have like almost all of the parts. To get these things going, I'm missing for the for the um, I'm missing a few key components for the Ergo, but they're hard to find parts for that. The Kyoshos, you're not missing anything for the Vibe. I think there's no no. There's a problem with the Vibe, and I believe there's a busted. Take a close look for me, but I think that I'm the, not looking at your shit. No. But go ahead. No, never mind then. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, it looked All right. quite intact. Though. No, there's something wrong with the tailcase on that. It needs to be replaced. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, last time that flew was at uh, a couple years ago at um, um, Othello. The tail busted about 50 feet in the air, and I had to auto it down while it was pirouing. So, yeah. All right. That's about it. Got my stuff. Sweet. Can't wait for the trailer. It's going to be nice to have a small trailer. And, uh, yeah, go to some fun flies. That it? Well, what about news? Do we have any news? Yeah. Do we have anybody who the news is brought by this week? Uh, You know what? Yes, we do. I'm going to give some credit. This week's news is brought by all of the Heli Freak members that made that big list of news for us (laughs) (laughs) to talk about. Thank you very much because it really does... With how busy we've been lately, it does help. I do appreciate it. So moving on to the news, we have... Oh, I had a listener send this to me. I think this was uh, 3D Cup, I believe, in France. Kyle Dahl did my forward flipping auto at the end of a flight. Oh, no way. Yeah, but okay. He did quite a bit of other stuff before it. And it was not expertly executed. He he chakama the landing pretty good. <laughs> but nonetheless, for those who are like, I'm curious to see if this is actually what's happening. You can watch this link, and that is the auto, but without all the the doodad before it. Um, now this is kind of cool. I got this sent to me. So, WW, uh, well, actually, no, I take that back. RCHeli.club forward slash programs forward slash all. This is a, a website that was created um, for training programs. And they have like all of the training. Well, I shouldn't say they have all of them. They've got a huge list of like, RC heli training programs that people have put out there and or like the the maneuvers for tests and like they have uh, 3D trials for 2015, uh, 20 moves with the 30 variants. So all of this is like on the main page and they have added um, our pilot proficiency stuff there. So you can see level one all the way up through level seven. Now, you can uh, kind of almost like create a username, do your own, you know, like create your own login and have all of your own programs. They've got the whole list of all the maneuvers uh, uh, and they have a section for comments, um, like a one to eight uh, deal next to it. So I can say, okay, uh, pirouetting figure eight uh, forward with a left piro. I can mark down that I've started it. I'm struggling, making progress, almost happy with it, competent, speed and position control, breeze control, or competition level. Really cool that someone took the time. And I I apologize. I don't know exactly who did this, but uh, my hat's off. It is an awesome place to organize um, everything together. So. Yeah, this this uh, so the guy's name behind this I I can't ever remember his last name, but his first name is Richard. 
Um, and, and actually one of our listeners, uh, Ross Cooper Smith, uh, has worked with this guy a little bit, uh, to get a number of these different things up the, the pilot proficiency program. Uh, and yeah, it, it really is very cool. And if I remember correctly too, Nick, uh, he also has, uh, some videos up there of some of the maneuvers in the sim and stuff like that. Yes, that's There's the a other good thing. thread on our uh, Heli Freak forums uh, about this particular site and all the different things that are up there. So definitely go and check this out. I think that they said they have most of the videos done except for uh, some of the level seven stuff because it's just flat out hard to find people that can do those <laughs> oh yeah true yeah so uh my hat's off for putting this together i think it's it's awesome anytime that we can get more organized you know training uh for everyone out there the better now i've got a link here for um to a thread over on heli freak a new heli called the core 700 I believe this is Dutch, and there's a bunch of videos out that, unfortunately, I do not speak Dutch, so I could not understand what the guy was saying. But he does a pretty good, pretty good walkthrough. Interesting design. How, I don't. How, how do you know he does a pretty good walkthrough if you don't know what he's saying? I'm watching with my eyes. <laughs> smart ass uh it's a pretty cool design it's not like groundbreaking by any means it's got that kind of you know single single aluminum plate type structure uh main body structure on it but it's belted i don't know i think it looks kind of cool what do you think yeah, I, I think it's a nice-looking model. It looks very robust, uh, maybe even to the point where it could be somewhat heavy. I, and that's just speculation. I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, the boom is chunky as hell. That's a that's, that's a, a big that's old fatty. <laughs> beefy boom, man. And uh, the, the head, I really like the look of the head, the finish on the metal. Uh, very, very nice, professionally done. I, I'm i going to assume this is probably going to be in boutique heli price range. I haven't seen a price on it yet. I don't know. Did you see anything, Nick? I saw some speculation. Yeah, it, it, speculation was like the 1100 range. Oh, well, actually, that's not. I mean, nowadays, that's not all that boutique-ish. No, not really. I, uh, I'm a little nervous about the packs in a crash, the way that they stick out underneath yeah. and in the front, yep. very crash susceptible right there. Um, and, and I'm not completely sold on the skids yet. They're, Never sold on carbon fiber skids. I was waiting for you to come in on this one, yeah. Dan. Uh, I'm, you know... Dan, I'm kind of, I'm there with you, and I feel like the only real compromise, and I'm not saying it because I'm just flying it, but like, I never cared for the original Goblin Skids, but I don't mind the setup that they have now, where it's pla basically plastic 
plastic struts with, you know, carbon fiber skid tubes with my air quotes. But I, I don't know. These are a little rush-ish to me. Yeah. I do not like the uh, grips either. The head. I don't like that at all. It's different. It's, but hey, it's you know what? It's not. It is different. And that's what I like about it. Get people out there, get them thinking, and uh, yeah, good stuff. So we will uh, keep you guys informed as we see more. Now, Dan, I have your next helicopter. Sweet. I challenge you. You could go to work on Monday, and are you ready? Yeah. Build this. Because the entire thing is 3D printed. So, this is very unique. It's called OblivionHeli.com. It's a 300 size. It's a non-commercial website about a custom-built micro um, that is all 3D printed. And they have all of the STL files to make it. No shit. Yeah, yeah dude. I swear. This is crazy. It's crazy. That is pretty cool, though. I, I mean, I, I can dig that. I mean, I know you're not, you know, you're not into the micro thing, but, I mean, they're updating it. They've got a little list. You know, the first one was, like, June 2nd. Uh, all STL files have been updated June 21st. Um, you know, to where the last one was July 21st. They did an update, single mount skids, motor, counterbearing, Lighter and better tailbox. What are they building? I mean, it? How, what, are, what are they printing it out of? I, you know, I don't know. It's got to be. It's got to be ABS. SLS plastic. SLS. What's that? Are you sure? It says right here. Few things had to come together for this project to turn into reality. First off, noticing the precision, strength, and weight of SLS plastic. So get well, this. SLS just. Yeah, so but that's the, not the plastic. That's the method. Okay, well, I don't know. Says what do you, okay, what does SLS stand for? It typically stands for selective laser sintering in the additive manufacturing world. Additive manufacturing being a more sophisticated way of saying 3D printed. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I don't know. It says in more detail the design goal is a 300-ish size helicopter that would look that would lock in nicely on pitch and provides full 3D capabilities all at 2200 rpm. So they must be going just like crazy lightweight with this thing. And I bet you if they're keeping a recommended at 2200 rpm, then you're obviously not stressing stuff near as much. I don't know. I mean, you know, hey, whether it... Oh, wait, let's see. Uh, It does have a carbon tail boom. Oh, forget it. It's <laughs> not fully 3D printed. <laughs> no, mono, uh, mono frame, mounting a swashplank guide. Let's see. Ten or more parts to build the frame. Can not we... Needed. Is there a picture of, like, the actual... Built heli? I can't find one. Just flight pictures. I want to see an up-close photo. 
of the heli. Of the shitty yeah, looking 3D printed plastic? Well, see, that's the thing. If he's really using selective laser sintering, Dan, this is not the shitty little like Dremel Dream Maker BS where it squirts shit out of a nozzle. This is actually firing a laser into a particle bed of plastic powder and melting the parts together in the powder bath. Oh, is this the one where it comes up out of the matrix? Yes. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's selective metal sintering. Yeah, it says or right selective, here. selective uh, laser sintering, rather. So it's not really 3D printing. Uh, let's see. Practically anyone can send them off to shapeways.com or other SLS services for printing, which has a low price tag. Yeah, it's SLS. It is not 3D printing as the public knows it. It's right. all 3D printing. Right. But well, still. hey. I think it's cool. I mean, yeah, dude, I think it's a killer idea. Even just, and if you guys are curious, this is another cool, Justin, please correct me if I'm incorrect, but you can download, um, hold on, I've got it here, bear with me, I'm going to slow down and pause so I can find it just <laughs> like speak a, a little you're going slower. very slowly this is this is stalling time at a very dan top. let's sing a song dan level know how to sing dan should try not right here we go okay, okay go so you can download uh solid the program's called solidworks e-drawings Oh yeah, that's it's just a uh, a 3D model viewer. Yeah, but it's actually a, a really nice one. That's what I use, and you you should be able to download this uh, all the STL files. Well, I'm going to and... download all the STL files. I'm going to put them in SolidWorks, and then I'm going to send Justin mockups of them. Yeah, sweet. So yes, cool. I uh, once again, people are innovating doing stuff that's different that is cool that- and i'll tell you what if they can if they can really if 3d printing whether it's selective laser sintering or the other method uh if that if that can be done and we get the same or similar strength properties out of the material for certain pieces in the heli that could be a huge cost driver for affordability in the hobby Because I'll tell you what, the whole, my entire industry in aerospace is turning everything into additive manufacturing because it's so much quicker and easier to do. It's not for everything. You can't just 3D print the whole damn deal. But for some of the really key parts, it's, it's a, it's a game changer. Uh, Well, my experience with 3D printing is what we've noticed is. Not so much in the end product, but prototyping saves a lot of time and a lot of money. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you can do way more precise stuff with SLS, Dan. Uh, Yeah, we were looking at some of that stuff the other day, actually. All it takes. Stuff just rises out of nothing, man. It's like, that (laughs) is cool. 
Yep. Feel like they you need can to do have it with a, metal too, Dan. Yes, yes, yes. An MP3 file that plays every time it starts printing, and it's like some very climactic like movie music, Space Odyssey <laughs> 2000 music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we could go with some good old fashioned like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> Some final countdown. Final countdown. Oh, okay. So I have a question. What is 766? Oh, yeah. It's a number. That, that is the question. Not just a question, but as of right now, the question. So we've got a link here to a website that is literally called What is 766? This is a new heli. Am I telling you? Looks to my opinion to be a little synergy esque. Just saying. I don't know that for sure. But it sure looks like a synergy. But I think I agree with you, but not so much because of the look, but because of the number. Yes. Mr. Bodos likes sixes in his blades. He does. 606, 626, 696, 716, add 50, and you get a 766. And that nose-on view just screams synergy. I think Matt's bringing out a big boy. Uh, yes. And, and I cannot freaking wait, dude, because it could be a potential alternate to the Goblin 770. And I, I'm i almost going to say it's, I mean, it's kind of like, really, maybe this is stretching out a little too far, but it seems to be like it is almost really the only I mean, is there anything out there that is really competitive against the 770? Not, I'm not, not saying not that the, there are, are models that technically can't be. You know what I mean? But there actually are. I don't think weight-wise. It's a pretty it's a pretty lightweight 750, the, the Goblin is. Because what else do we got? The, the logo will run 750s. Yeah, 700 Extreme. Okay, but no bigger, right? Nope. And then, then you've got you know you've got the T Rex eight hundred, but again, a lot heavier. The Diablo will run seven fifties stock. Yeah, but that's I mean, you can't buy it here. It's not like you're yeah, gonna you can. go. You can. Yeah, you can buy it from Peak Aircraft in South Carolina, Chuck. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, point being, there's not a lot, and I, I don't know if it is. I think it's cool. I, I'm guessing that this thing is going to be at Urcha. Just guessing. I'm gonna see it. Yeah, suck it. Oh yeah. But I'll uh, let you know what 766 is, Nick. Okay, I I do. I want to know. And hey, we've got a Velos 880 unboxing video out. And dude, it is absolutely awesome to see this guy. Uh, John Thompson is his name, I believe. He's on the Heli Direct team. 
and the Velos team take this thing. Uh, I mean, the box is ginormous. It's massive, dude. And he's like, and here's the canopy, and it's the size of his freaking torso. It is, this thing is just incredibly freaking huge. And in a weird kind of like train wreck sort of way, I'm getting more and more intrigued by it. It's kind of growing on me because it's just so out there. So different. Yes, just so different and, and so like. Did you really just put two motors in one heli? Oh, you dirty little boy. Okay, let's see what it looks like. You know what I mean? It's just, it's got me intrigued. But yeah, if you're curious on what's coming in the box, uh, check that out. And you'll kind of get the scoop on it. It really puts the size of everything into perspective. That's where I'm at. I know we're running a little long, but that's where I'm at on the news. Does anyone else have news? I do, and since we're running long, I will go really quick. Okay. Okay. First thing, Facebook, uh, Chance Sue uh, is a speed pilot, and he has been, now he flies a TDV, Nick, like we were talking about, TDR1 with the TDV fuselage, and he's been uh, on the speed scene here recently, and he just announced this week the release of his new 720SX speed blades. He has designed them himself, uh, and they're produced by Funkey. And go ahead and click on the link and take a look at those things. Crazy. You know what they, you know what they look like? What's that? They look like they were made Dan Anda. <laughs> And they look You're like right. if I threw them really hard, they'd come back they'd to me. They'd come back to you. Yeah, it's a it's a very unique looking blade. I, I got to give them props for going there. Um, it's the first, I will say, it is the first design of a product in this hobby that I feel um, is blatantly outright engineered for purpose right there was thought put into that and for those of you guys who are familiar with uh full-scale applications and uh in particular uh the westland superlinks which has the world record for the fastest uh tail rotor equipped heli it looks a lot like a burp rotor blade uh, BURP stands for British Experimental Rotor Program, but this was something that was developed in the 70s and 80s, and it has a very similar shape. Uh, it's meant to eliminate some of the higher speed compressibility effects at the tip, uh, but it also, th the sweep forward and then the sweep back keeps the CG along the center line of the blade, so you don't have anything funky going on there. It reduces compressibility on the advancing side of the disc and it also reduces retreating blade stall on the retreating side so it's not exactly the same what he's showing here but it has a very similar concept so i'm wondering if that's what he was going for 
at any rate, I think I'm going to see this. I was actually talking to him a little bit this week. Uh, we're going to meet up at Urcha and and chat a little bit, and I hope to see those things in action. Very cool. Man, it's like out of nowhere, there's some crazy stuff coming. Yeah. And then, let's see here, Ballinstead, uh World Record Attempts for Speed Helis. They are doing that uh, as we're recording this. I think it's actually all this weekend. And Miles Dunkel from Team Minicopter is flying, and Frank Strupp as well. Both of them are flying Diablo S's, pretty highly customized. Landing gear cut down so they're smaller. Uh, Gerd was saying in the Heli Freak post here that uh, the tail section of the fuselage is ultra thin to cut the weight back on the tail so that you don't have to put lead in the nose. So in doing that, you save yourself like probably over 150 to 200 grams on the total heli. Uh, But he says it's so fragile it wouldn't work for everyday use. And uh, I haven't seen the final confirmation, but earlier today, Miles had a combined left to right average total of about 283.5, which if it's true would have beat the previous official world record, uh, which I think was 277, by about six and a half kilometers an hour. So, we'll see if anything else comes out of that, but there you have it. 176 miles an hour could be the new official world record. Cool, cool. Mm. And the final... News of the week. Ready? We are going to be doing a review on the drum roll, please, Nick. Give me your best drum roll noise. (laughs) (laughs) That was fabulous. I should have I should have metered my air a little, a little better. <laughs> well, when you paused in between, I'm like, okay, I'm about to say it. Wait a minute, he's going back for more. <laughs> I, I got more. Wait, Nick, Nick, are you there? Nick, are you there? Thunk. All right, here we go. The Gowie R5. Nice. Yes. Dun, dun, uh... Gowie has gotten in con to, in contact with us and would like us to do a review on the R5. Uh, I'm going to be doing that review. I uh, am expecting it to be in sometime this week. And uh, I have all the bits and pieces. And we're going to see if we can do a super quick build, toss it <laughs> in the luggage and get it to Urcha. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Burn that can you want to borrow my six end oh, candle? Dude, my my I, I don't even have ends. What I've basically done between work, podcast, and heli is toss the candle in a bucket of gasoline. <laughs> There's no candle. So wow. Pretty excited about that. I think uh, a lot of listeners will be excited as well. I've talked to a number of listeners about what are my thoughts on the R5 and, you know, what what makes sense. And so we're going to find out firsthand. 
It is, uh, I'm told, one of only a handful of kits uh, that are in the country. In fact, I think maybe one of two or three in total. So it's pretty exciting that they were uh, interested in having us do it here at RCHN. So thank you, Gowie, and I will keep you guys posted. Sweet. That's it. That's it for news, huh? That's it. All righty. Well, this week's news is brought to you by uh, the guys at Helifreak. The listeners. Yeah, all the cool people over at Helifreak for helping us out. Absolutely. Rev Electrics USA. They have a great selection of battery chargers and battery management systems to include charging adapters and power supply selection. They have LiPo batteries and flight stabilization systems as well. They also have a wide variety of accessories and RC hobby sports gear too. Log on to www.usastore.revelectrics.com to find out more. That's R-E-V-O-L-E-C-T-R-I-X.com. It's all right. This guy, this, this guy, <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> You need you need a minute. <laughs> Should I call nine one one? I need to grab some lube real quick. <laughs> oh, ah, that's a great segue. Oh yeah, oh. and an off glove. <laughs> that was planned. Was it? Absolutely, it was planned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fill us in. So you know, had a few questions. Uh, J- Justin, you kind of picked these up. Were these off of the Heli Freak, or did you get emails concerning? No, these? actually, I got an email from a listener recently. So, and his question's pretty specific, but I thought we could actually uh, expand it a bit. Absolutely, all things lube, all things lube, guys. Now watch out <laughs> because there are way too many opportunities for this to go off road. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Let me start by reading the the listener email. Okay. Hey, guys, I have a question regarding lubrication for the belt, whether for the main or tail drive. First of all, is it preferred to lube the belts? If yes, what type and brand, how much should be applied and how often? If not, then why not? Coming from torque tube gears, it took some researching and I found so many different opinions before I settled on dry fluid extreme gear lube. What I like about it is that it works, makes the gears quieter, and doesn't splatter all over the heli and make a gooey mess. Those are the characteristics I'm looking for for the belted version. I'm sure that each of you may have different answers, but I'm all ears to your experiences and opinions. Thanks for the help. Keep up the good work on the podcast and your involvement in the RC Heli community. Cheers, Danny Gunnowin, citizen number 578. It's a good number. Yeah. So what do you think, Nick? Belt lube. First and foremost, let's talk about lubing belts. Yes, sir. Something I should absolutely do a lot more than I do. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you're kind of like a belt aficionado nowadays, aren't you? I mean, you got belts all over your shit. I do. 
on everything. And I do lube them, actually. Um, I have had really good, you know, in the past, like back in the day when we were dealing with uh, small small tail booms and belts yep. on s- small models that spun real fast, it was a little bit more purpose-driven to help uh, prevent static, the whole Van de Graaff effect. But now, you know, we... I don't, well, in my particular models, that is not near susceptible to that, but I do it for longevity, Uh, longevity of the belt. I use a box standard, straight off the shelf, generic silicone spray. Nothing fancy. The orange bottle with the little like ram head on the front of it? Uh, I don't know if it has a ram head, but mine is orange. Yes. Yes. Mine's not. I Mine's have blue a and similar yellow. I got it in Napa. Yeah, I mean, any of the just generic. Yeah, Dan, the blue and yellow one mm-hmm. from Napa. Yep. I've got one of those floating around somewhere, too. There you yep. go. I just take it and I go back by the tailcase because it seems to make the least amount of mess back there. And I'll lay a paper towel under it and just start spinning the head and spraying. Just keep letting it soak that sucker all the way down. And then same thing, I'll get up on the motor belt and spray it up on the inside of the motor belt and out. And I actually do inside and outside. And, you know, that is that is the extent of my belt loop. I don't think it needs to be anything super specific. And I've gotten to tons and tons of flights. Oh, shit, you're not supposed way. to, like, dip the whole heli in, like, a tub of that stuff? I, I mean, you could. Soak the belt overnight in a vat of lube. No, you I'm know the whole funny? heli, man. Just dip the whole heli in there. I actually know people that will take when they're doing a build, and I'm actually, I'm not going to say that this isn't a kind of a good idea. That when they take it, uh, when they're unboxing the heli, they immediately will grab, you know, because most, most helis now come with some sort of a Ziploc bag at some point, right? Parts come in it or whatnot. They'll they'll take the belt, throw it in a Ziploc bag, and spray a ton of silicone in there and let it soak overnight and then put the belt in the next day. What do you think about that? That feels excessive to me. Uh, I, f- I feel like that is excessive, but... I, I don't mean, think if it, it would works, hurt anything. If it works, it's perfectly fine. I, I think... I think uh, you you kind of alluded to it, Nick, but one thing I want to hit on so that all the listeners really appreciate it, the reason to lube the belt is often, and and quite frankly, all the time in my mind, uh, not because of the need to reduce friction. Now, that's a great side effect. It does reduce friction, and guess what? We'll take all that we can get, right? All the help we can get. What is what it's uh, more important for is preserving the belt. And you had mentioned longevity of the belt, right? These belts, uh, they are put under significant stress on these drive systems and the shock that they undergo with all the different load changes, you know, different people have a different personal feel for how tight a belt should be and there's stress on either end of that a super tight belt versus a not tight enough belt you know slapping against the boom all of that bottom line is that if you're looking at the standard belt 
and I'd say standard because a majority of the belts out there are a neoprene rubber. And the way you can tell is that it has sort of that dull, matted, kind of like a tire rubber feel to it, right? It almost looks like it has a skin or a texture to it. The other far less common belt is a urethane style belt and those are like if you remember the old school Mikados now I can't say whether the new ones have them but the old logo 600 500 600 SE it can be either a pure black but shiny or with the logos it was actually like a clearish orange and you can see the Kevlar inside the belt Raptors Raptors there you go yeah yeah yeah. right yeah yeah yeah. you know yeah Dan that kind of crud orange weird yeah right so you know the 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 urethane belts are nice because urethane naturally has more lubricity to it than neoprene but it's also stiffer and it's more expensive i like that word man lubricity oh god that's you want say it say it i'm afraid i i can't (laughs) just i'm just gonna have to soak it in and i'll say it to myself later tonight lubricity (laughs) oh yeah anyway (laughs) i'm gonna use that word on the next date i have see how it goes okay good yeah (laughs) good (laughs) so when we're talking neoprene though it is subject to cracking and it cracks for a variety of different reasons it cracks because of excess temperature either hot or cold and uh too little humidity if it gets really dry it can Mm -hmm. crack as well and so that's why you lube these things and and so uh nick you said you even do it on the outside of your belt yep you must do it on the outside of your belt not just on the inside because you want to make sure that that portion of the material also gets nice and moisturized that is correct Is it silicone-based lubricants only on the belt? No. So silicone, I would say, is probably the most common wet lubricant. But uh, if you're dealing also with trying to get rid of static, like Nick was mentioning, the other thing that I've tried before is a dry graphite lubricant. And that that can either come in like a powder that you kind of paint on, or you can get a spray where... It gets sprayed on with with like a volatile base, like it's mixed up in a acetone or a butane or something. It sprays on wet, and then when it dries, it just leaves the graphite residue. Right. That sounds messy because graphite's usually yeah, yes, messy. it is messy. But I'll tell you what, it makes that belt conductive as hell. Huh. Interesting. Uh, that's a new one. I did not know that. I've also heard, although I've never done it myself, uh, that you can use a, like a solid wax, kind of like a, you know, like a natural beeswax, uh, surfboard wax I've heard about. Uh, and and I, I think fundamentally that probably makes sense. Never tried it, but it would be a lot cleaner than both the graphite and the silicone spray. Yeah. Interesting. So what else? Okay, well, 
Hopefully that answered the belt lube question. Let's move on to other things that we get to lube. Let's <laughs> let's uh let's talk about shafts. Oh, I was hoping you'd go there. I knew next. it. But, um, you skipped over a whole bunch of them just so you could say that. <laughs> he was like, bearings, belts, oh, oh, shafts. There we yeah. go. That's what we need to talk about. All right. You got your main shaft and you got your tail shaft. Sometimes you have a secondary shaft, although that's rare. <laughs> I'll give you the shaft. You're familiar with the secondary shaft, Nick. You got lots of them. <laughs> yes. How do you lube your shafts? What do you use? Dan, talk to us about shaft lube. I just use the, uh, the, um, the shit. Names escape. It comes in the black container. Come on. we all Triflo? Use What's that? Triflo. Triflo. Yeah. That's all I and, use. And you use the oil, so the liquidy stuff, not yeah, yeah, the yeah. thick not grease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the thick silicone triflo. How do you do it? Very carefully and with style. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I actually just put a couple drops and then I articulate my uh, swash servos to get it in there. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can do this. <laughs> we do not. I am sorry, but we do I mean, not have he, the maturity on this but, podcast okay, to Nick, talk about Nick, shaft Just lube. wait a second. We I mean, absolutely did he have to use, do not. Did he have to use the word articulate? <laughs> no, Isn't that what it no, is? I mean, that just why can't added you say to it? main shaft and tail shaft instead of shaft and secondary shaft. You're putting too much emphasis on the word shaft. <laughs> okay, so we we know how Dan lubes his shafts. Nick, <laughs> just some things that are not meant to be with, with K-Way, like every other red-blooded American. <laughs> oh, God, I knew it! I knew it! I this is I my all-time favorite. <laughs> See, uh, Justin is just in heaven. I mean, this is like the best thing in the world for him. Screw talking about motor windings and speed stuff. All he wants to talk about is lubing his shaft. <laughs> okay, let's move on from the shaft. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no. In all seriousness, am, is that wrong? I, no, I use TriFlow. Yeah. That's exactly what you I use. TriFlow. You asked me Definitely. how I applied it. Were you just setting me up there? Is that what you no, were doing? No, I wasn't, because no. I'll tell you why. It's a big pain in the butt uh, when on, on the main shaft in particular, you've got the swash driver arms and the links. Yeah. And the the TriFlow bottle, I lost the little extension straw thing a long time ago. Yeah. And so trying to get the actual bottle in there and not squirt oil all over the freaking What about place, laying your heli on its side? Yeah, well, I do that, but I'm lazy. I don't want to do that. I mean, it's standing up. I don't need to support it. Why can't I figure out how to make it work that way? And then if you put too much on, it starts spilling over the the heim ball on the swash plate and down towards the links. So it's got to be only like a drop or two. How often? For me, every five flights. Ooh. Or at the beginning of every flying session. Really? 
That's yep for me. Beginning of uh, wow, every... my poor electrics. I'm so used to dirty ass nitros, but I am also very sparing with it. I am not the type that just goes out there and you know just freaking douches it all over the swash and lets it run down the main shaft all the way down through the middle. I give up. Yes. Nick, Nick likes a little friction. Oh my God, this is so fucked up. It's kind of like one of those grudge. You know the next word. Oh. Okay. No, I, I, I can't, I can't, because I know, it's like when you know you're going to fail at something. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, tail shaft. No, 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 we're not done yet. Oh, Dan. Because is- I'm serious. I mean, I want to go serious, and you guys are all getting all preschool on me here. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Okay. So I got, a, no. I got an issue very then. Very small. Very, very small amount. I, I mean... Uh, one to two. I will do one drop. Uh, Seriously, in before the, every session, every flight, every yes. time you go. To- no, but no, before like at the beginning of each day flying. So if I'm going out for a, a you know oh a, a day of flying, I will do it. I do one drop between the inner and outer swash as I spin the head around to work some uh, lube in there, and then I do uh one drop in the actual like heim ball in the swash move everything around and that's all that's all that I do up there I had no idea helicopters had hymens oh yeah I went there okay now he t- he's taking it too far now that uh, way too that far that wasn't too far it was too far you're too old that's where I went with that <laughs> thanks for your support again <laughs> With all the time and money you put into your hobby, the last thing you want to do is throw away your flight experience on bad blades. From the feel of the heli in the air to its appearance on the ground, which blades you choose to bolt on is one of the most important decisions you have to make. That's why you need to put those old and busted blades to the side and make the switch to some new hotness. Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, Switch rotor blades are sure to put the finishing touches on your heli. Whether you're into sport flying, hard 3D, or F3C, switch rotor blades will get the job done on everything from a 250 to an 800 class heli. And we're not just talking about main blades here. Switch has tail blades and night blades too. So stop wasting your time not flying the last brand of blades you'll ever need and make the switch today www.switchrotorblades.com uh, my, my electric helicopters must hate me then because maybe every 20 flights 20 if I remember so if you were to look at your main shaft right yeah, now I noticed it on the Forza already you can already where because you know without the lube you're actually, you know, grinding off very fine particles of metal and mixing it in with dirt and stuff. 
So it starts to look really gunky. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, need you gotta to, uh, gotta do it more, man. Yeah. And there's no there's no sense in leaving that gunk and lubing it. You have to clean it, clean off. it off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, coming from nitros, I mean, you just, I mean, you were fighting to get it off more than worrying about getting anything lubricated. Right. And that's a good yeah. point. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever lubed nitros because it does it for you. Yep. Self-lubricating. Yeah. No, no worries there. What about tail shaft? I'm the same. I use triflow, triflow oil drop on either side of the uh, pitch slider, move the pitch slider back and forth a couple of times. Uh, same routine once every flying day or every five or so flights. Uh, on the speed helis, to be fair, I do need to do it a little bit more often, but, uh, you know, I, it's it's something that's a habit for me now. You know, yeah, you I need get to, to the I field, definitely need okay, to start there's, there's the oil, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm done with the main shaft questions now. Let's okay, what about bearings? You guys lube any of your bearings? Uh, ah, no. Motor bearings? Used to. Do you guys remember that? bearing greaser tool i have one i do too oh the one where it you like stick the bearing in the housing and then you fill it with grease and press it yeah it forces it up you know forces that shit in there mm-hmm. i have one i i used it once 20 years ago i i got it from a from a gentleman that uh that passed away and and handed down some of his stuff I, I've never used it once. It's it's just sitting here. I mean, it's a whoever made it did a fantastic job. It's a nice piece of machine work, but I just don't see an application where that thick of grease. I mean, that's way lower speed, way lower speed. Right. I don't know. It's I all mean, just gonna. Fl- aren't our bearings sealed for the most part? Hmm. Some of them, most of them Shielded. are nowadays. Shielded, I, it, it depends. Yeah, if it's got if it's got a metal shield on the outside, it is shielded, and that keeps most stuff in. But to be really sealed, it usually has sort of a brownish orange rubber. Right. It almost looks like a phenolic on the outside. You know what's weird though? I sw- I swear that like I've noticed if I don't lube a bearing. It lasts like a really long time, but if I once I start to lube it, I swear to God it's going to go out within like fifty flights. Huh. Well, and, and that's, I don't, that's because typically the bearings come pre-lubed, and it's with a specific lubricant that's meant for that application and speed. And if you go and put the wrong crap in there, which is probably triflow, then you get all of that stuff to flow out, and now you have no lubricant. I I believe that you are absolutely correct because I say that I quit doing it um, probably a year and a half ago. Yep. I mean, I was like liberal bearing lube guy. Every bearing got, uh, I was, um, you know, very specific, just a little dot and a spin, every single bearing on my head. Wow, dude. Man, that um, must have taken a while. I did not <laughs> know that about you. Yeah, it it did take a while. And you know which bearings I was just chewing through all the time? Like 
uh, torque tube drive gear bearings, the upper one. Why? I don't know. It, it, it's kind of like it just didn't matter. But the torque tube drive gears in the front, um, I was always I was always tearing through those bearings. You know, never main shaft bearings, but always uh, motor bearings. Dude, when I was lubing my motor bearings, I swear that I was wiping them out all the time. But I also have, I guess that's a little bit of a different subject. I have a motor bearing technique now that I do that has like... It's a technique, Justin. Technique. Yeah, it has to do with the shaft. Oh, jeez. It actually does. And adhesive. That's correct. You going to share it with us or are you just going to be all... Well, so what I do, you know, I used to do the whole oil thing, but he... Okay, here's the deal. When, uh, you know, since I fly all Scorpion Motors, I have definitely, and anyone that flies Scorpion Motors, I have done my fair share of bearing and shaft replacements, right? But I kind of finally figured it out. It's like, okay, what's happening first? Is the shaft spinning against the inner race first? And then getting that nasty rust, screwing up the the surface on the shaft, and then all that crap getting into the bearing. Because, you know, I'd pull my motors out and there'd be this, you know, you could, it was really obvious because the bearing's now brown, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. And I started really checking like the bearings themselves and they were still perfectly smooth. And then I actually got this trick from Nick Maxwell. He will take his Scorpion Motors. He will uh, get them straight straight out of the box. He will take, slide them apart, a very, and uh, let me emphasize, very small dab of green Loctite. He will put them back together, and then he leaves the set screw out up on the top of the can, and when he installs it back together, you can do this with a real soft-headed you know, like a little rubber mallet. You can do it all by holding it in your hand. I do it with my 45 series motors. No problem. You do not have to do it in a press as long as you're using a soft mallet. You can just sit there and tap the back of the can and slowly slide the can down on the shaft. And what you do is you try and take, there are two spring washers in there and you take about 80% of the vertical play out of that. So you take those spring washers and you compress them down. You don't want to smash them all the way down. You absolutely do not want to do that. Um, If you do that, you'll run into a situation where you'll start popping the C-clip off on the the shaft. And you don't want to do that. You just want to get it to where you've barely, I mean, I say zero play, but give yourself just the smallest amount of play that you absolutely can, if if any. And then, uh, obviously, Loctite your set screw, put your set screw back in the top. So now, now your motor has no spring tension in it like it did. And then when you install it in the heli, you put a little bit of, uh, you know, you put it in the heli, you get your pinion height set, and then you uh, you slide your motor shaft up a little bit out of the pinion support bearing, and you put a little teeny dab. I usually use 
I've got some blue stuff from China that yeah, we call it forever tight. It's not blue. I don't even know what it is, but it's it's really good Loctite. So I would say red would be fine, even some green, whatever. Uh, just a little teeny amount. Install the motor back in, lock it all down, and then snug up your pinion support bearing right to the bottom. Now, why does that... Okay, why does that work? Well, what I found was that Anytime your motor can, which is attached to the shaft, slides up and down, which it will do with a helical uh, helical gear. I mean, anytime you apply force, it's going to, you know, try and push the gear down and or up, depending on which direction it's going. And then um, when you remove the power from the motor, it's going to let it come back down. That is the, what's happening is the motor shaft is moving separate from the inner bearing race. Anytime that moves, it's bad. Your inner race should never move against the the shaft that it's riding on. Because if it does, now you start getting that brown goo of death. By doing this, you're taking all of that load. And originally, um, with like... Uh, with uh, helical gear setups that didn't have a pinion support bearing, it is harder on the bearings in the motor because you you know you're all of that force is being pulled down on there. But when you really think about it, uh, look at your main shaft. Hello, it's all the same concept on your main shaft. You know we're putting a load on the head, pitching the blades, pushing, pulling that shaft up and down. So. It, it's putting the same force on those bearings by doing it this way and taking all the slack out of the motor can and actually, you know, using some adhesive to help secure the inner race to the shaft, you eliminate all of that spinning and you add the support of the third bearing to the, to, to counter that movement. So now you're, you know, as you're loading the motor and unloading your, you're taking that force that would normally be driving the can up or driving the can down, and you're spreading it across three bearings, not just two bearings. And ever since I have done that, I have doubled, if not tripled, my flight count. Hmm. And it's I do it on every single motor that I have now. For that. And I've never done it, and I have never had a problem. Well, it's easy to tell because uh, since doing that, I pull my motors out and they do not have any brown burnishing yeah, or anything no burnishing. on You and on I have talked shaft. about this a lot. I, I understand the concept, but I've also not had an issue. Um, I, I think it makes sense, though. If, if people are seeing burnishing on their shafts, then they should try this. It, it, again, a lot of it depends on the model. And that was always my argument with Justin. You know, like uh, Goblins, for example, you've got a belted setup. You're not fighting a helical gear. So you're, the pulling force of the belt is pulling, you know, they're, they're, that force is very, very minimal there. So it's not going to be near as much of an issue. But like the T-Rex 700, I put a lot of flights on that and would just tear through bearings on that thing. So, yep. I think it's very, very model specific. Makes sense. You know, 
the only bearing that I lube is my one-way bearings. And I use tri-flow oil. Yes, same here. How you often? go too thick on that and with oil or grease and it, it gets gummed up and doesn't perform as well. That's right, yo. What about you, Dan? I do not oil the one-way bearing. What do you do with it? I wait till I crash and put a new one in there. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, that's... No, I suppose what I've done in the... I, uh, here's what I... I put the uh, triflow grease in it, just a bit of it, when I'm building it. And then every so often, if I'm... If I've got everything out, uh, I'll clean it and put new oil in there. Yeah, I think that makes sense. True. Or new grease, I'm sorry, not oil. Okay, we we got to talk gears. Yep. Do you lube gears on your heli? Torque tube gears, main gear, pinion? Well, you know, I... When I first started flying, that was a big no-no to lube gears because everyone was saying that it was going to cause the gears to swell, right? The nylon gears. Yep. There are certain plastics in combination with certain oils or greases that will swell. So that was kind of a, this is a long time. So I just kind of stuck with that, but on the Forza... I did, uh, they actually supplied a little tube of grease and it looked to me like it was some kind of clear silicone grease. It didn't really say what it was, but I did use the grease. But then I saw something, I saw a post that uh, George from Scorpion put up for that dry lube stuff. You guys familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Yep. I don't know what it's called. I can't remember what, the, what it's called, but... Well, there's a brand called Dry Fluids, but you can also get TriFlow Dry, which I have and really like. And that's probably... I would assume that's better on the gears, right? The Dry Lube? Yeah. I think it, it all depends. I mean, you if you want to get into the conversation about what different types of lubes there are, Dry is, is a newer concept, at least to the hobby. What's nice about it is it gives you... Uh, some of the benefits of like an oil-based lubricant, but it doesn't uh, get flung off as easily, kind of yeah. like a, a, a grease. The grease sticks better. Yeah. And it's not messy. Yeah, I would like to actually touch on this one because this has been, you know, switching over, obviously flying for Goblin. I came from a situation where I wasn't greasing anything. And now all of a sudden it's just I've got a pile of all of these in the, you know, it wasn't something that I had gone and had tons of flights on and, and really had to learn myself. And I started with, okay, I'll just put a little dab of the regular triflow grease, you know, the synthetic grease. And it just, dude, it was horrible. I mean, Yeah, I put horrible. something on my Forza. It, I would not do it. I mean, it it made this nasty, black, sticky, shitty goo that flung everywhere, and it attracted so much excess dirt. Yep. Okay, but wait, 
that's I think that that is to a certain extent a goblin specific problem. Okay, but just hold on though. But um, and and it was bad, and like to clean it and reapply it was a huge freaking problem. And I noticed the same thing because I used to just put a little dab of that silicone grease even on the Raptor on the torque tube gears. It just attracted so much dirt, and I still was seeing wear. So after doing a little bit of research, talking to Justin, uh, talking to Kyle Stacy, you know, all the other uh, SAB pilots, it was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, it was my direction was dry fluid. Like that was the direction. But, you know, I'm not frugal, but it's also like, God dang, man. I mean, they are proud of that stuff. That's for sure. So did a little bit more research on actually what is in that style of dry, you know, dry grease or dry fluid, whatever you want to call it, dry lube. And I ended up with uh, uh, almost like a PTFE-based chain wax. I can't remember. Justin, you remember the name of it? Ketanol? I can't. It's kind of in this gold, black Type I don't, I don't remember. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it's called. It's a really common dry lube, but like chain style wax um, for, for bikes, really common with bikes. You know, again, all PTFE based. That was kind of the key behind it. So I started doing that. Uh, goes on a little bit messier because they don't have a, with, with my particular can anyway, it's kind of like nothing's coming out and or balls <laughs> to the wall. <laughs> so, but it's it's very easy to clean off. You spray it on, turn around, 30 seconds later you come back and there's a, a thin white film on everything that you oversprayed and it wipes off very easy. It's not sticky. And I would say, you know, I probably went 100 flights on one of the 700s doing it with the old way and then have since, you know, put that many flights with this way. My gear wear is, uh, dude, it, I, I'm going to say 50% reduction in gear wear mm-hmm. and my models are clean. I mean, yes, I, I'm still obviously getting a little bit of gear wear. Like you said, that's... That is <laughs> welcome to any model that you put a lot of flights on. And goblins do wear gears. I mean, that's perfectly okay. That's not uncommon. But I couldn't be any happier with making this switch. It's so much less of a task. And I would, I mean, almost to the point where if I was f- still flying torque tube models, I think that I would be putting this stuff on every gear that I had. Yeah. I I really like the dry the dry lube for certain things. Like I said, I've got the TriFlow version. It comes in the same looking TriFlow bottle, and it you have to shake it because it has suspended solids. Yes, and you basically shake it up. You put it on there just the same as the regular TriFlow oil, and then you let it dry. And it takes a couple of hours to dry, but when it does, it. I don't want to call it hardened, but I'll call it solidifies into what looks sort of like a wax, mm-hmm. like a paraffin wax, sort of a clear off or off white paraffin wax. And it's really slippery. 
So I, I like to use that on my standard stuff. So my 3D helis, uh, the the Goblin 770, uh, any standard plastic to metal gear interface will get the dry lube. Uh, but in speed, it's a little bit different. And this is where I, I think it kind of gets cool. Uh, and you can apply this in 3D as well. But there are reasons for using certain lubes over others, right? You know, you, you talked about the triflow grease, Nick, and it doesn't work for the Goblin. And the reason it doesn't is because the material that the Goblin uses, it's, it is designed to wear. And when yeah. it wears, it produces particles. And that, that grease captures those particles. And now that adds more friction and you wear more particles. And before you know it, you've just got this soup of nasty gunk. That's not doing much for you, right? Um, and that is more typical of that type of a plastic, like a glass-filled or fiber-reinforced plastic. But if you look at something like Delrin, which is your typical white gear, main mm-hmm. gear, right? Uh, it works really well with a thicker grease. And in fact, I use the thicker Teflon... Uh, Triflow grease exclusively on the TDR main gear. And the reason is because the, the, the challenge with that main gear has nothing to do with wear and has everything to do with being overpowered with torque. Uh, and the heating of the gear plays a big role in that. And so when you're looking at getting heat away from the gear uh, or, or preventing it from heating up, you need you need to reduce the friction because friction produces heat and then the heat that's left you want it to be absorbed to a certain extent the grease does a better job at that because it does stay on the gear longer and in larger quantity Mm -hmm. and so the thicker greases that's what i use those for um they're messy as hell and yes they get flung all over the place you look inside my tdr canopy it looks like a bomb went off. Uh, it's nasty. But nice thing is that with the white Delrin gears, really the only thing that's contributing to, to turn the, the grease colors is maybe some of the metal wear from the metal pinion that's driving it or some dirt. Um, on metal-to-metal systems, like steel, for example, the, the upgraded metal gear... For the Goblins, I have that on my 770. Uh, the Diablo speed drivetrain is metal on metal for the second stage to the main gear. Uh, I use a lubricant that's called Ketanol, and it's affectionately known in the hobby as Green Goblin Blood. Uh, GERD actually gives you a bottle of this with each Diablo speed. And what's unique about this stuff, it's it's meant as a bike chain lube. It is a liquid. It's not a grease. It's an oil, but it's a high viscosity oil. It's not like the triflow, which kind of comes out like water. And what that basically does is it stays on the gears longer. And it actually captures medical or metal particles in it as they're being shaved off by the metal on metal contact. And then when it spins off, it actually takes that those medical or bleh, metal 
particles away with it to a certain extent. Whereas the triflow doesn't have enough residence time on the gear in large volume to do that. And the grease, you don't want to use thick grease on a metal to metal because it captures all the metal stuff and then you tear your teeth up. Yeah. So, you know, just uh, it's it's probably not a thought process that a lot of people bother going through, but uh, you you can choose the grease for very the grease versus oil for very specific situations cool cool yeah what else do we live head dampers yes sir silicone grease yep i'm with you dan i use the the triflow grease dow corning 111 something like that Yes, sir. What about torque tube gears? You guys ever lube the torque tube gears? I did on the E700. I lubed the front one. Yeah, was it subject was. to explosions? Uh, no, I never had it? one. No, it was just a recommendation that, that Nick Maxwell had always said. It's in just a little dab of the thicker. See, now, like, that was a case where the thicker grease worked just fine. It didn't get dirt in there. Um, just to reach in there with your, you know, put a little bit on your pinky finger and reach in there and just to do a little bit. And yeah, didn't have any issues. Yeah. The only one I did that too was the Forza. I mean, because the owner's manual said to. <laughs> Other than that, I've never really lubed Torque 2 gears. Okay. How about this one? You ready? Do you guys lube your connectors? Yes. Connectors. Yeah. What yep. do you oh, use? Lithium. Today? Dielectric. Dielectric grease. Yep. Think about that one more time. You're 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 using non-conductive grease on a conductive interface. Always have. Interesting. And results are? I've never desoldered a connector in my life. Interesting. What do you use, Justin? I actually don't use any lube on my connectors. I haven't ever found the need for it. I've heard a lot of people do. Well, uh, and And I've heard them use... Uh, either silicone-based grease uh, with carbon loaded in it so that it's conductive, carbon or graphite. Or there's a specific type of electrical grease. Uh, the name escapes me. It is, I think actually, Nick, it's used a lot in automotive applications on like those multi-pin connectors. Yes. What is that stuff? It might be the same stuff that I actually use, and I'm just calling it dielectric. But unless it's a super specific stuff that you're talking about. I've actually, I've never lubed the actual connector, like the barrel and the pins that go in the barrel. Mm -hmm. But I've used white lithium on the 
smaller side, just just smeared a little on there of the plastic housing on the outside. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I've I've all I know it's weird, but I've always used just a little bit of the automotive style of uh of dielectric grease. Same thing we put, you know, when we put a light bulb in, all the dip all the contacts in dielectric for the light bulb. Keeps corrosion out, but the big thing for me with the EC5s was that it just took that nasty pull to get them apart. You know, when you had that one that was just like crazy stuff to or crazy tough to get in and out, it helped lube the connector. I've never had a problem doing it. I mean, I have never desoldered a connector once ever. Justin, what do huh. you use? I just blew Justin's mind. <laughs> He's the engineer in him is trying to figure out how could Nick have possibly gotten away with something that is counterintuitive. Well, no, I I know I understand the application of dielectric grease to prevent tarnishing and and wear and friction on electrical connections. That's perfectly fine. I've just never used it before, so I can't say I don't I don't honestly have the experience. Yeah, it works freaking great. Hmm. And I do I, not, I don't grease the connector housings, Dan, like you were saying. Although that might make sense. I only, some of the connector housings can be a big. Exactly. And it's, it's a case-by-case basis. I mean, if I have a housing or a connector that's coming apart a little too rough for my liking, Maybe the pin got a little off kilter, too much heat during the soldering process. If it's one of those EC5s that they're making now where the pins are, you know, in them or maybe the XT60s or the ESEC3s or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's only been, as far as I can remember, a once or twice thing. It's not like it's a, a ritual that every connector I have gets right, a little bit right. of that. But, uh, yeah. Does that... Does that help prevent wear if you're using some kind of grease in there? I mean, is that a good thing? Or is it just simply for ease of separation? For me, it was just for ease of separation. Ease of separation would be why I would do it, too. And I knew that it wouldn't cause it, you know, having used it before in plenty of applications, I didn't feel that it would cause any negative effects at all. Hmm. And it, it, it made my EC5 daily use more enjoyable. But, you know, on the flip side, I haven't had the need. I have not used it on the XT150s. Yeah, and see, yeah, I think it makes sense there. I If you're going to use conductive grease, don't use it in a coupled housing connector like an EC5. Because you do not want the opportunity to actually short between the pins. I mean, some of the conductive greases out there, they're called conductive because they've got metal loaded in them, but they actually are not, they're not conductive in that way because the metal's suspended in the grease. Mm, But I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would feel comfortable doing it that way. I think maybe I'd just use a little bit of the, uh, like the lithium grease or maybe even a little dab of the, the Teflon, uh, triflow grease. Yeah. See, I wasn't, 
uh, when it came up and I decided to give it a shot, that was something that I just, I didn't have experience with and I did not know the conductive or, in, you know, insulating properties of those. So it was like, well, never had a problem using this stuff. So, and, and it's a little, you know, dielectric's a little bit thicker, so it stays in there. I mean, it's something that I've only ever had to put on once, you know, never done it again after that. So it's not going to be subjective to higher temperatures to where maybe it would get a little runny? No. Huh. Nope. Right. Yeah. I I always thought that that the uh, dielectric grease was only used on like the the mating parts that aren't conductive. Not the actual like conductive metal. And no, I've always that's where I've always used it used it. Really? Yeah. Justin says with disbelief. I know. Really? Well, it's it's an area where I just don't have experience. I mean, all of my electronic stuff in the professional world, you do not come near it with a freaking ten foot pole with any sort of grease or any of that. So here's one for you. What do you guys use to uh grease your blades to get higher head speeds? <laughs> you secret sauce secret sauce lightning secret sauce blade spray yeah increase your head speed by 10 percent. the blade spray <sighs> well does that wrap up the uh yeah i think so i kind of feel like uh we've gone over all things lube all officially right. And maybe some things and that we weren't supposed to be looping. Yes. Now that I've owned two full sets of BK high-voltage coilless servos, I can honestly say that these are the best full-size cyclic servos I have owned to date. These things are crazy fast, with a speed of 0.049 seconds per 60 degrees, and plenty strong, with a torque rating of 295 inch ounces oh and to top all this off they're only 99 bucks a piece so whether you're looking to replace an old set of worn out servos or outfitting that brand new heli be sure to head over to bkservo.com so nick came up with a little idea on last week's or tuesday's meeting you want to go ahead and go over that nick yeah okay so as per the request from a lot of people and us, I mean, we've done, I think back at like episode 100 or 101 or something, we did kind of a go back and find the funny stuff, uh, all the weird little quirks and remarks in the show. And and we did it with a, a fair amount of success, but we kind of, they were a little bit longer snippets. Um, So what I would like to do, is we had a lot of people say, God, I would kill for like a best of nothing but just laughs. And we would love to do that. However, we're almost 200 episodes deep. At a couple hours apiece, that is an amount of time that the four of us, the undertaking is huge. So I had a plan. 
because we have had such great success um, over on HeliFreak, getting the forum back over there, um, and the user participation has just gone up, I mean, dramatic. By the day, it's still just growing and growing and growing. What we thought was, let's go ahead and do this episode, but we're officially asking for your guys' help. So what we're going to do, we're going to create a post over there, um, and we're going to call it, uh, I, I don't know, we'll call it something to do with like uh, find the funny clips or something like that. And the way it's going to work is the four of us are going to start it. So Dan will post and myself and Justin and Jesse, and we're each going to commit to a certain amount of episodes and we're going to list those episode numbers. So let's say if Dan says, okay, I'll take uh, episode one through four. And, and so I reply back to that. Say, okay, I'm going to take five, six, and seven and so forth. If we can get your guys help to do that, I mean, as little or as many as you can, that's fine. Just do it well. And what we mean by do it well is compile a list of timestamps, short description and a timestamp, like as close as you can get it. So, you know, 45 minutes and 30 seconds in, uh, you know, um, uh, Justin talked about this or whatever. And then shoot us an email. Don't post it in there. Just send us an email and we will take then we that we can commit to doing because we can go right to it. We can pull the audio out of it and put it um, all towards this uh, big episode number 200. And I think that if we can get people to participate, it's going to take no time at all. I mean, 200 is a lot for four people, but man, if we could get 50 people doing this, it, it would be nothing. Plus, it gives you a great opportunity to go back and laugh and listen to stuff that none of us have listened to in a long time. So please, we can <laughs> we can commit to doing that for episode number 200 if we can get help in time to do it. So that's why I wanted to talk about it now. We'll get that going up there. Um, so only then, go into the thread and post which ones you're going to do, right? Yep, not that's right. what stuff you found. Yeah, not what stuff you found. Just the number that you are. That way you can scroll down the thread, and when you get to the bottom, the last post that's on there, those should be the next episode numbers that are available. And please do it in numerical order. Don't bounce around. Um, so, you know, if you go up and you see that it's got six pages and you go to the sixth page and the last person said, oh, I'll take 165, then you take 166 and, you know, however many you can. Even, hey, one helps. If you say, I can I can only have time to listen to one. Hey, that's great. You know what? And you don't have to find something. We've had some extremely technical episodes um, or, you know, maybe one where we just weren't in that kind of mood where you go through the whole episode and you don't chuckle once. That's okay. Write us back and just say, episode 124, checked, didn't find anything. Okay, good. We'll mark it off and, and we'll be done. 
Sounds like a plan to I me. I like it. If we can do that, we will have potentially what is, and I mean, I am so looking forward to this. I've We very rarely try and ask anything of you guys because we just love doing what we're doing, but 200 please episodes, do this. a lot of stuff to go through. Yeah, please do this because I love to laugh, and we all love to laugh, and I think that we can put together one that'll just, if I don't get something coming out of someone's nose listening to episode <laughs> 200, then we failed. Absolutely. That's what I'm going for. Maybe even a little bit of pee. I feel like that'll be a, a real oh, great. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. you get, then it comes out the nose, you get to laughing, a little pee. And, yeah. and one, one other thing that we're going to do is when we compile these clips, like let's say, for example, a listener gave us four episodes, went through those episodes, we'll go ahead and, and just kind of mention that. Who who found these clips? So when we find, yeah, we want to give credit yeah, to you guys, absolutely. So, uh, you know, now we can get some participation, hopefully, and and make a fantastic. There we go. Episode. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I've you know, I think back. I've got, I've got a list, or a list. I've got a file where, and and sometimes I don't have time or. I'm in a hurry to get the show done and I don't really think about it, but I typically try to cut outtakes and stuff like that and put them in a file for this very purpose. So, you know, I'm going to be looking not only through a few episodes and I'd kind of like to take uh, one through four ish because it'd be fun to revisit those. I haven't listened to those in years. So, but then I'm going to be adding in some outtakes that no one's ever heard. Uh, oh geez! Oh, so this There's one a reason no one. Yeah, th- this one might definitely not have your kids around when you're listening to it. I'm guessing because they're probably not <laughs> suitable for work. Don't guys. if you're listening at the office, you better have headphones in. You just you got a a four episode ahead of time warning. <laughs> That's how serious we are. Yeah, this one you don't want to let the kids listen to. Uh, don't don't let your coworkers hear it. Uh, you might not it. even want to listen to it if you get easily offended. Absolutely. Because especially the outtake stuff that no one's ever heard. There's a reason that stuff is outtake. <laughs> so I'm going to have to use some discretion myself. I'm actually myself. a little nervous. You, sh- you should dude, be nervous, dude. You of all people should be. I'll use discretion, Justin. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe a lot of beeps. There might be a lot of uh, sensor beeps. Beeps are good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. It's going it to be it's going to be a lot sweet, of work. But dude. if we, like Nick said, if we can get some uh, get some help with that, it's going to take a big project into not such a big project. Yeah. Well, so we will create that thread. Um, yeah. Should we? We might. I'll see if we can get it stickied up at the top, uh, just for a little bit. I don't know. I know the guys over there are busy, but if not, we'll we'll keep it bumped up. And help us out, and you'll get uh, some serious laughs out of it. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, this one's winding down. I can feel it. I can sense it. That's why we're... Yep. I do want to say one more thing. Um, Guys, you know, we have some incredible show sponsors, 
everyone that helps uh, sponsors slash advertisers, everyone that helps us, you know, do what we do, keeps the podcast free to you guys. Um, if you're out shopping around, you know, you can hit on our website uh, for a full list of those sponsors. If you're shopping around and buying stuff, you know, if you're going to buy it somewhere and you're going to end up getting the same thing, obviously we're not, you know, saying go out and spend more money. But if you can, please give these guys your business. They really believe in what we're doing. And that means a big deal to us. And, and, you know, if you do buy something from them, just take a quick second, throw a note in the comment section on your order. Just, you know, say like RCHN rocks or, you know, thanks for thanks for supporting RCHN. It that to us, that is all we could ever ask in return. And that is everything to us. It is more important than money or anything else is just letting them know that, uh, you know, that they're that they're being heard with, with all of the banner ads and uh, advertisement these days is just ridiculous. And, you know, we're, we're proud. Uh, we're proud of the people that, that support the show and we want to do everything that we can to say thank you back to them. So if you guys could do that, that would be awesome. Absolutely. So Nick, if I want to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You would send me an email to Nick, at rchelynation.com or catch me on Facebook at NicklenRCHN. How about you, Justin? You can catch me at Justin at rchelynation.com or Justin Pucci on Facebook and the forums. If you wanted to send Jesse an email, you could do that at jesse at rchelynation.com. I'm sure he's pretty easy to find on Facebook as well. Uh, Slacker, something like that, some name like that. Uh, I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rcalienation.com. Dan K. Reed on uh, the forums. And uh, I don't really do Facebook a whole lot, but uh, I'm there. <laughs> Pretty easy to find. And uh, speaking of Facebook, creeping up there, dang near 4,400. Or have we passed 4,400 yet? I don't think we're quite there. We're close. We're close. We're getting close. Don't forget to pre-register for the fun fly. Get in the drawing for the Spartan BX1E. Oh, yeah. That's going to be, I wish I could pre-register because there aren't many people. Get on it. I'm going to pre-register under a pseudonym. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Facebook. Great way to kind of see what's going on. Uh I would encourage you to check out our webpage as well. You can check the store link stuff. You can chat with people if you're so inclined there on the front page. And um, if you have a question specifically regarding citizen registration, shirts, hats, all that good stuff, your best bet is Ken at rcalienation.com. Cuts out the middle, guys. Ken's the guy that's kind of on top of all that, running all that stuff for us. Uh, or just to tell him he's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Give him a big thumbs up because he puts in a fair amount of time dealing with that stuff. So it's a huge help to us. So thank you, Ken, for that. He's also handling the calendar, which has the upcoming events. So uh, if you have an event that you don't see on our calendar and you would like it there, if you bring it to Ken's attention, he will probably be contacting you to get the details and then add that to the calendar. I do believe that about wraps it up, guys. This has been episode 196. 
Six, dude. Yes. 196. Six. <laughs> we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you next Monday. I gotta go wipe this lube off my shaft. Oh, my God. <laughs> this has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email.